This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Bobby Clark, Eric Lindros, Chris Pronger, Claude Giroux, and now Sean Couturier. And the Flyers once again fall in an outdoor game. Let's talk about it all right now. It is episode 170 of Orange and Backcheck. As always, brought to you by, by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when signing up to get your free bonus bets instantly after betting $5. Man, what a week for the Philadelphia Flyers. We have a new captain after years of speculation on when this will actually happen. John Tortorella coming in and saying there's no captain on this team right now. Sean Couturier is officially the captain of the Flyers, the I believe the 20th in league in team franchise history. And then they go outdoors in, in his first game and they get, for the most part, pretty outplayed other than about 18 minutes, 17 minutes of the second period. Um, interesting game. Interesting weekend. Uh, Scott, we were there at MetLife Stadium for this game. I thought it was a great environment. I thought it was fun. Uh, but I don't think I'm ever going to go to another outdoor game again. I think I'm over. I, I, I can see your point with that. I, you know what? I think what – look, it was a great experience. If you were there, I'm sure, Pete, you enjoyed going there and stuff like that. You know, could I compare it to – I've been to three. I've been – I went to yeah, class in 2012. Yep. I went in 2019 in, at the uh, at the link, and then this year um, at MetLife. Um, out of all three, this was the best and the worst, and mm-hmm. I'll say why. I, in 2019, it was raining and it sucked. Like, you know, what I mean? the flyer, but it was cool because the Flyers won. They came back late and they won a game. 2012 was the spectacle of it. They were up in that game and they went up blowing it. And I remember when the roots were playing between the second and the third period, it was snowing a little bit. And it was, that was a really cool. This year, what was cool about it is that the vibe was there. Like, people were actually excited and were energized about it. They were actually looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing this. The Flyers fans were all jacked up, the Devils fans which I really got to give credit to the Devils fans on their jersey game. Listen, I I, I mad respect to some of the jerseys I saw out there. I saw like Bruce Driver, Chris Terreri, like all these old names, like, you know, amazing, amazing. Um, but with the, with the way I looked at it, th- th- what really killed it for me this time around was two things. First of all, it was cold as hell out there, like, I could mm-hmm. not get warm. There was a points in the game where I had to like, I got to go inside and go to the warming area. It's like, I could not get, stay warm. And I layered up too. I could not stay warm. And that stadium is just so damn boring. Like I know you say it's a dump, but MetLife stadium, it's not that it's a dump. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine, but it's boring. It has no personality. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it absolutely represents North Jersey. It absolutely represents. And the teams that play there, the giants and the jets, it just have nothing else going on below the surface. I mean, I honestly would have rather them, and I maybe this I, this might have been discussed when they were going to knock down um, the Meadowlands and, and and build this new stadium. I'm sure the discussion was, why don't we just build two stadiums and put two stadiums there? I think in hindsight, I know it's more expensive. Just do that because then you can add personality for each team. I think that's what their problem was. Right. They, they're building a stadium for two different teams and two different conferences, so they have to like – do this thing where, well, we can't have too much Jets and we can't have too much Giants. Right. Like, they just started this season, if you noticed, putting their individual team logos at the 50. It used to be just be the mm-hmm. NFL Shield. Right. So that translates over to all the events. I've been there for an Eagles game, and obviously it was I was there on Saturday for the for the uh, winter um, stadium series. I agree with everything that you're saying. Like, it was cold. It was it, it, like, I, I think I am a little bit jaded, full transparency, full admitted. I'm a little bit jaded because the team lost. They, they, I don't think they played particularly well. Um, I think they just kind of let the moment skate by them. No pun intended. No, and I disagree. 
I'm kind of over them just losing these outdoor games. I think that's also the spectacle. 2021, when they were over in Lake Tahoe, I put an asterisk next to it because it was dumb and they had no no roster. They barely had a roster to yeah, fill. Yeah, they had a roster because of COVID, yeah. Yeah, against Boston. They got absolutely slaughtered. That was a disaster in its own right because they tried yeah. to get the spectacle of Lake Tahoe. For multiple but, reasons. It was, yeah. it was a disaster. But I just think that this is oversaturated it's cool in in person if if i keep going as a person as a fan i think i would enjoy it but i also don't want to go anymore because the team keeps losing they don't show up and other than the 2019 one which i was there for which was exhilarating it was the final wayne simmons game you had the claude Giroux game winning goal yep. i just think the nhl has to revamp this and i don't know what they can do to do that whether that is it's a it's a balance because you want the in division rivalries that's why you went with the rangers and islanders the other yesterday afternoon and you right. went with the flyers devils but could there be an avenue where you go cross conference flyers edmonton in edmonton like something like that i don't know what the answer is but something has to change i think they've They've, I looked it up. They've done 40 outdoor games, 39 including since they started the Winter Classic. They had the Heritage Classic years ago prior to the first Winter Classic uh, with, uh, I think it was Calgary and Edmonton, which they still do. Okay. I think this te- this like that's 40 games since 2008. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when they hype it up, I haven't even looked at the ratings. I'm imagining that this was the if not close to the lowest rated watched game in terms of the outdoor games i just think it's time to either end it which they won't do because it's still a cash cow i'm imagining it is right, and thousand people were there yeah absolutely. yeah it was a cash it's, cow. so I, I don't know what you do with it i think it's i think it's done its way like do an all-star game outside maybe try that like i i don't know i don't know what the answer is but that's pretty impressive, actually. Do an mm-hmm. All Star game, yeah. But the question is, do the do the players want to go to a cold area for the All Star break, right? You know, like or and and do festivities in the city, right? Listen, I get what you're saying. I've been saying that the Stadium Series has been a little too much doing this. The Winter Classic was the spectacle. You have it on New Year's Day. You know, it's the game. It's everything's planned around it. I think what made it worse this year is that the NHL also scheduled games on that day. Instead yes. of building everything yeah. around the weekend, and, and, and I get it for scheduling reasons, you have to do that. You have third when you have thirty-two teams, but if you're really gonna do this, you got to do it right, and you really have to build it around the entire day. Like that is the day's event, that is the weekend's event. Like there's gonna be no Saturday games and no Sunday games until after this is done. If you have Sunday night games like last night, it's fine, but you had games before this game. So, you know, and during technically with seven o'clock puck drops the hour before, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, like that's that's the thing the NHL, I think, got wrong. But at the same time, they're not trying to focus it too much. It's more of a fan experience. From my perspective, it looks like this is more of a fan experience thing that people get to go. If they don't get the winter classic, they get a chance to go out and go to an outdoor game and see it in that in that element. That I agree it's with. Also, yeah. It's also people tend to hype it up because it's like this big event. But really, at the end of the day, it's two points. At the end of the day, you mm-hmm. don't get any more points for this. It's really about the experience. Like, and I'll we'll tell you talk what, about, yeah. it was the coldest one I've ever been to by mm-hmm. far, but it was it was cool because you know the experience itself was pretty cool. I mean, there was yeah, <laughs> there were the, the girls who were below us in the section. They flew out from California. Yes. They That's flew from nuts. California, bought tickets to the game because it was cheaper for them to do that and come to this game to see the Jonas brothers rather than get Jonas brothers tickets out in California. So, I mean, that's part of the, the, again, that's part of the experience, but I think what's crazy is that, you know, overall there was nothing that like, so when I, for example, like when I go to these games, I like going around and like exploring a little bit. I don't stay in my seat the whole time. I like checking out the stadium. You know, if I haven't been there before, I like checking out the festivities and all that stuff. What really sucked about this is that when you walked in, there was nothing. You just walk right into the stadium. There was nothing on the plaza, nothing on the concourse. There was literally nothing, nothing just but cement. Yep. And there was nothing on the levels either. And trying to find, like, merchandise stands, that was a difficult 
endeavor in its own. I literally spent all of the second intermission and the first five minutes of the third trying to find a merchandise stand that sold winter hats. So I wanted to get one for my wife. So, and it, you know, the t-shirts, t-shirts, okay, people, t-shirts that's in stadium series were 40 bucks. Absolute ripoff. So it's a spectacle. It's a cash cow. But the thing is, at the end of the day, it is it is two points. But if the NHL wants to really have the focus on it, they should really have that as the day's event. Where like yesterday, they had to delay the start an hour for the Islanders and the Rangers because of the glare, which I even said to you, I said, why are they starting at three o'clock? There's going to be a glare in the stadium. Like, yep. you know, the glare on the ice is a bit of an issue, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, the way the puck was bouncing, a bit of an issue because of ice conditions. But when you when it all comes down to it, I agree it's a bit oversaturated, but I still think for the average fan who has an opportunity to go see something like this, who doesn't get to see something like this often, it is a nice little event the NHL puts on once a year. I do I, I do think it has become more for the fans to go to rather than watch on TV. Correct. The, the, the pricing for what it was in 2012 is nowhere near what it was in 2019 Correct. in Philly. I think I, if I remember correctly, the 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 price of tickets for the Citizen Bank one b- b- Winter Classic one was like three hundred bucks for the just to get in the door. It was crazy. Right. right. This we spent a hundred bucks each to get in the door at MetLife and just to enjoy it. That that's where I do agree. Um, it's just my, again, my to retail you, was four hundred. I'm okay. I'm, that's why I looked. I looked inside my yeah. classic ticket. I think my retail. I got lucky on it. I, I'm not gonna go into the story of it, but. I think mine retailed around 400 when I first saw it, yeah. Right. So it's kind of like... That's 2012. Now that you've set the price, the market price, to be more consumerish to be able to afford it, totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that I can agree with. It's just, it's tough to watch. It's sloppy hockey at times because of the ice conditions. The glare can, like, even... I mean, we'll, we'll get it. Sam Merson could not see the puck in the first period. I mean, he could not see that because of how the lights were... At MetLife, the one side, at least it looked like it was only on the one side where Sam Erson had to protect twice, had a, a light right on his goal crease in including in front of him and a couple of couple of lights in front of him. So he really struggled. I mean, Nico Heischer had a great shot on that on that first goal, 30 seconds in. Yeah. Um, so it really it, set the tone, set the tone. Yeah. Early. yeah. And, and it's funny because for. like like you said, it's two points. I do think there are playoff implications. I'm a big uh, – I might value analytics a little bit more than you, but I'm also – I think where we, we both agree is we're a mo- momentum, guys. Momentum in sports is monumous mm-hmm. or huge uh, in, in how you project the next couple of games in your season. And the Devils have two games in hand. They're five points out of that third spot again with yep. the Flyers. Now, on one hand, I say I say all the time, Game in hand means nothing to me until you convert those things to points. Correct. Uh, so it's one of those things where until they convert, great. Doesn't mean shit to me. Right. Um, but at the same time, you win a game like this a couple weeks down the line. The Flyers are off until Wednesday. Uh, it can get it can get out of hand pretty quickly. I'm not saying the season's over. I'm not saying the Devils are a, a clear-cut shots to because they've had a disappointing season. They, I think they carried the momentum of this through through the through the game but i'm yellow flag i'm not sure how to put it like that that kind of thing uh most, cautiously optimistic and, and and most people should be i mean i talked to a guy yesterday a buddy of mine he's like oh yeah you know the flyers are contenders i'm like are you nuts dude i said there's no way this team is winning 16 games in the playoffs i said i i expect this team still to win around because of the way they play the game i don't expect them to survive 16 games 16, yeah. 16 wins they just don't have the firepower up front yet it's fine. They're still rebuilding. But yet again, the Devils have been rebuilding for years, and they're playing well below expectations this year. Um, look, the Flyers, they're, 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 they are what they are right now. Like, you know, not to quote Den- the great, uh, the late, great Dennis Green, you know, and we didn't, nobody's crowning their asses. But I, with, with the Flyers, you know, they, they won five in a row. Then they lost five in a row. Then they won four in a row. And now they've, they've lost back to back. You know, one of them with a actually would give him credit against Toronto coming back down three one in the period in the third period to come back to win. But you know, there were seventy thousand fans there the other night, and if I thought the Flyers were close to coming back on that one, if they could have gotten one late on Nico Dawes, I think they were tying that game also. And it, yeah. it, it looks like they lost a lot by six to three. 
But Bill, they had 24 shots in the second period. Yep. I, I, I have no concern about this team moving forward. I do think that they have a tough schedule coming up. But now it's the grind. Now this is this is this is where you get playoff tested. They're going to win some games. They're going to drop some games. It's going to be hectic going down to the the finish line. But the thing is, you've got yourself some pad. You padded yourself by already getting off to a good start this season. Where you're at now, you've earned every spot of it. It's really important that this team is it. And but you know, again, the Devils, even though the Flyers have five points uh, ahead and the Devils have two games in hand. Even if the Devils win both those games, the Flyers are still ahead by a point. Yeah. So right now, the Flyers are in good shape because the Devils are five points out and the Islanders are seven points out. The Capitals are nine points out. Pittsburgh's ten points out. The The whole thing is, is that the teams that they're facing in the wild card right now, Tampa and Detroit, the Tampa has 65 points and Detroit is 62, but they're in the they're in the uh, they're in the Atlantic division. So it, it's. They don't have really to worry about them right now. That they're in neck and neck with Toronto, so theoretically Toronto could have more points than the Flyers and and, and stay out of it. The Flyers have to focus on getting third in the division right now. They have to. They have to. Does that put them up in a good first round matchup right now against Carolina? No, that'd be a bad first round for them. Is it possible? Yes. But then you have concerns about Sam Erson, which I'm starting to have a little bit of concerns about with him. And it's not yeah, because so, he's playing poorly. It's just because of some factors. No, I I think like I think it's a point of trying to figure out is Sam Merson a number one guy? He's playing number one minutes. Obviously, don't have to get into details of why we've already did it. Go back uh, two episodes when we talked about what's going on. I'm I I think I think he's a good goalie. At the same time, I I, I can't. Fully judge the kid. He's a kid in his first full season. He's a rookie. Like he's yeah. a literal rookie. Like I, 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 I'm very concerned of the goalie depth right now. I think it changes next season. Uh, whether that is signing a, a big name veteran, getting a guy, another young, young, young kid, you pull Hedatov out of Siberia. Whatever the case, I don't know if Urson. I, I don't know if Urson's the guy. Um. I, I I think it's too early to tell and it's still what I'm having concerns about Sam Merson is that I've seen him in the past couple of games get beat between the legs. He's mm-hmm. getting beat on the five hole. Couple of them where he's kind of lifting his right pad up or dragging it. So teams I think are starting to get a book on him a little bit, which which concerns me a little bit because he's got to make adjustments to his game. Um, the thing is about Sam Merson. I look, I like the way Sam Merson plays. He plays very well in tight. He's a very hard goalie to beat. Like he plays very well positionally. I've been very well with some of the way the, the way he's played. He's done an excellent job this season. On the season so far, you know, he's um, what's his right? He's got a two point six four goals against average and an eight nine eight save percentage, which is lower than he expected. Really, it was pulled down by the first couple games. He's got fifteen wins on the season as a rookie. Fifteen wins and thirty games played. And I think he was he switched out. He was pulled. And I mean, Carter Hart. I'm sorry, the uh, the other guy was pulled um, in a couple of those games. What I'm starting to see out of Sam Merson, though, is I'm starting to worry about fatigue. That's my issue with Sam Merson right now. Are they relying on him too much? Because the fact that they're not starting Cal Peterson as much as they've had since the whole incident with, with Hart went down and he hasn't played, they've been riding Erson as a workhorse. I don't think you can do that to a rookie because of the endurance factor. It doesn't mean that Erson's playing poorly. It, endurance does have a factor in this. He's a rookie. He's his first full season in the NHL. Since his shutout against Winnipeg on January 13th, okay, he has played in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games. Okay? 11 games. In those 11 games, he's allowed three or more goals. Adam, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Okay, you're talking more than three goals. So four, four, three, four, three, four, five. So there's been a couple games there. He had the game against Dallas. You know, he, I'm not really counting the, the Colorado game where he got where he got he came in for for 18 minutes. His two best games again the last month where I've been against Florida and Winnipeg. He gave up one goal apiece. But it's weird when I look at this and saying he hasn't. It's either given up more than two or just one goal over the last month and a half. Over the last month. So fatigue is a little bit of a concern for me. If I'm the Flyers, I'm really looking hard at the goalie market 
this trade deadline. Because as as I mentioned last podcast, Jack Campbell is available. It's a lot of money to pick up, but you have it available. And if you can stuff Cal Peterson in the minors, the reason why is that Cal Peterson is an NHL backup. He is a backup at the NHL level. You have a if that's fine if you have an established starter, an established starter who can carry the workload. My concern is <clears throat> if Urson wears down or God forbid gets injured, then you're riding Cal Peterson as a starter. That's a major issue for me. Jack Campbell has been there. Cal Peterson has not played well he just has not played well enough at the nhl level over the past few seasons for have trust in that he's a reliable backup nothing more jack campbell has started jack campbell has playoff games jack campbell has not played well the past season or two but in the nhl he's kind of refound he's found his game a little bit his confidence is coming back jack campbell's more of a confidence issue and playing more wide open he's a guy you can get where okay you can give Ursus some time if you are making a playoff run you're not wearing down Urson so you can really try to get through that route and give him the experience because that's the key here. Everybody needs to understand. Yes, I, you want the team to win the Stanley Cup. You want the team to win. They're still rebuilding. Getting Urson and this team in the playoffs and getting them that experience is going to be more valuable than anything else right now. But you got to have a goal. You can pick up some of these games because Urson cannot play another 20 games. He can. He just he cannot do it before the playoffs. He will wear down, and this team will sink before the season ends. I mean, he's already at over, he's already over 1700 minutes of of total ice time, averaging just I mean, I mean it doesn't matter on average, it's it's 55 plus if you don't when you factor in the pulls and all that stuff. So, right, he, right. he's, he's got to be at career highs. Yeah. At, yeah. It, it, a lot of mileage mileage on him for a kid that just he's started. Played, he played more games than Carter Hart so far. He's played 30 games. Yep. You know, he's 15 10 and 4 with a 2.64 and 898 like that's a lot of games for a rookie like yep. sorry it is people like you it, it is a lot of games for a rookie 30 games played that's a lot for a rookie so it's going to get interesting obviously the trade line is coming up but they also have new leadership and we'll talk about the new leadership and what that could mean for the trade deadline but first as always this episode of the Orange and Back Check is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast up and down the ice all 60 minutes. But with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Flyers take on Chicago coming up uh, in this week. And then they have a in uh, back-to-back weekend division against the Rangers and Penguins. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with promo code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 in the on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus of age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gambling resources nhl and the nhl shield are registered trademarks of the national hockey league copyright nhl 2024 all rights reserved well scott after years of speculation we i think we've been saying it since we started this podcast honestly one day coots is going to be captain one day coots is going to be captain Mm -hmm. it finally happened i didn't see this coming uh until i saw <clears throat> there was a meeting of season ticket holders uh, where John Tortorella spoke to them and said, I anticipate the leadership uh, room in our in our locker room to to change very soon, sooner than you expect. And then just a few days later, uh, Coots is named captain. Travis Connecting is named an alternative. And Scott Lawton still also holds the A. Um, initial thoughts when this came out, because obviously this was a little bit of a surprise for casual fans and fans alike. Uh, to finally see a, a C on someone for the first time since Claude Giroux was here. I think that John Tortorella is a lion sack of shit, and he should be <laughs> fired. No, I'm just kidding. Because he said there would be no cap this year. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Uh, no, you know what? This is a good thing. This is a really good thing. Because this 
what what it says to me is that for people who look at the optics again, it's 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 officially making leadership. Think about it. Scott Lawn's the only one who's been on had a letter on his chest over the last year. I like the fact that Couturier is captain. I think that he's been here long enough. He's earned it. Fifteen years. Yeah, and I really, really, really respect the fact that John Tortorella didn't regardless if the team voted on it or not, if the players voted on it or whatever, the fact that the leadership was established is, and again, we talk about the sea of being assembled, the guys who can talk to the referee, we get, it does have meaning in hockey. And it really does. Like it's a symbolic meaning. It's the lead. It's, you know, you're, you're the leader of the team. You know, you're, you're the, you're the guy, you're the face of it. I appreciate that. It's Sean Couturier simply for this reason. That means that John Tortorella has seen enough growth in this team to establish a leadership and to make sure that these guys are going to be the guys that you can carry. So, for example, like, you know, last year, I wasn't going to name a captain. I'm not going to name a captain, just name a captain. He wants to see the leadership in the room. Having Sean Couturier, a healthy Sean Couturier back on the way he plays and carries himself, yes. I think that's what it was. I think he, I think that there was always, this was always the plan. For John Jotarella. well, he'll never admit it. He, he will stick. 100%. He'll never say that this was the we plan all along. We said that last year. We said that last year. You got to establish it. They had to clean up that locker room. They got Hayes yep. out of there. They got Pro Rob out of there. Now they have leadership in there, and they have the guys who they really want to be the leaders of this team, and they're there. They connect these at two, and I respect that because last year they want to connect and take more of a leadership role, and he did. And yep. He's got that letter that came a dad, has. too. I think that's what I think you become a dad and you become a little bit more responsibility in your personal uh, yeah. life and obviously professional life. Correct. Um, no, I I do I part of me if you put if you inject truth serum into into John Tortorella uh today I and you to ask him You don't was need to Co- inject truth serum into John yeah, Tortorella. He's going yeah, to but, give but it what it I'm saying is he's not gonna admit that this was no, the plan no, all along no. to make Coots the captain. Because he was waiting for him. One it was a factor of getting him healthy. Like, is he actually good enough to play? And then two, once he is healthy. What is his is his leadership style that was three years ago or four years ago still the same under my tutelage under John Torrell's leadership? Clearly, it is. And mm-hmm. uh, listen, I'm just going to take a second here. Okay. Immediately, not even 15 minutes into them naming the captain, I saw several tweets, and I know Twitter's not a real place or X, whatever the hell we want to call it. X isn't real. The internet's not real. The amount of people that said. Bad choice. I don't understand why it has to be Coots. He's the guy. Uh, it's always the guy that's been here the longest. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. If it's a guy that is good enough to be on this team that plays a 200-foot game that can score you goals, that can make a play, and also play defense and shut down Malkin on your rookie season in the playoffs, I know that is now 15 years ago, but I'm still holding to it that that is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen from a player named Sean Couturier on the Philadelphia Flyers. I will hold to that. When he announces his retirement, whenever that is, I will remember him shutting down Malkin in the playoffs in 2012. You can't take that away from him. He is the clear-cut choice to be the uh, captain. It it was never going to be Cam Atkinson. It was never going to be Cam York or anybody of the young guys, it was never going to be, be them. It was always Sean Couturier because he is the veteran in the room. He is the guy that has been here the longest, and that does mean something. I don't care what you say about why is it always got to be the guy that has to be the longest here because that makes the most sense. What are you talking about? Please just enjoy it. I cannot wait. At some point, Scott, I know what's going to happen. They're going to get eliminated in the first round. They're going to get eliminated in the playoffs at some point. And someone's going to say, strip the C. And not sarcastically. Because you know why? Because people are idiots. They're just idiots. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. You're you're sorry. If you're going off on Twitter and you're ranting about and Chunk and Trey having a bad choice, who the hell else would you choose on this team? Seriously, who? Who would you choose? There's no one else. Who would you choose? Travis Konechny? People Sorry. were, I, I will say, people were calling Konechny, but he's not, like, we just he's talked about He's got an A it. on his letter. He's an yep. alternate captain. you got to be fine with that. I, 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 Couturier is the guy. Like, you don't, you, you got to, you know, with these, you're allowed to have your opinion, you know, with that, but sometimes just shut the fuck up. Like, plain and simple. Like, yes. it, there's nothing wrong. And again, it, you have to understand. 
Well, I respect the fact that uh, the captaincy is a respected thing among people. The C is simply the person who can talk to the referee. The A, awesome. Yep. Like if the captain's not on the ice, the alternates can speak with the referee. It is a leadership piece, but again, it's mainly symbolic. The bigger piece you're looking at here is you're looking at the leadership group. You're looking at the group. Love it. The guys were the leaders in the locker room. It's always been Scott Lawton, you know, Sean Couturier, and you see a guy like Travis Konechny stepping up and doing a role like that. That's what you need to look at. And if you're not looking at that, you're looking at the wrong piece of the picture, and this is why you you don't understand hockey. You, you explain it simply. You just don't you don't you don't get it, and it's okay. You're you don't have to get it, and you're allowed to have your opinion too. It doesn't change the fact that you're an idiot for thinking this. Um, you know, so I, 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 there, there's yeah. more important things to talk about than those trolls because I think half the time people are just trolling to begin with. Yes, I, I don't think I think people are life. actually. Yeah, I do. Yeah, agree they're with just that. trolling because they have yep. nothing else better to do, and they like to rile people up because they have no lives and they're sitting in their mother's basements with their hands down their S- pants and they're, they're tweeting away about Sean Couturier. So not to rile things up, but I do think, uh, and this is where I talked you about how the the I'm new leadership role. What's that? I said, you got me riled. I'm all riled up. <laughs> yeah. So the new leadership in the room uh, all immediately drew in content, uh, questions about the trade deadline because it was kind of seemed a little bit uh, in in unison or in, in, in relation to each other. Um, Scott Lawton has been in that um, in the trade rumor discussions for the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's a few weeks left here before the trade deadline happens on Friday, March 8th. I do think... To your point last week, last episode, Scott Lawton might not be a flyer in a couple of weeks here. And I think that relates to the timing of this because um, they could have just named a Chancretary the next captain in next offseason. That has no bearing on what, like, you have a guy that already has an A, and that can lead you through the rest of this season. And then uh, in the training camp of next year, name Chancretary the captain. The timing of this does draw into question how what are the feelers they're getting out there for Scott Lawton because it's got to be significant if they're making these moves today I mean that's a fair point I didn't actually think of it like that I mean you're not going to take the A away from him if he's on the trading block or whatnot right here here's where I'm at with the with the deadline you're they're they're everybody's talking about they're looking to sell looking to sell looking to sell sell high sell high sell high okay fine they're not going to do it if they put themselves in a detriment in the for the playoffs. There's positives and negatives to everything. The first thing I think they need to look at is their goaltending depth. They have to look at the goaltending. That is more important right now than trading away Scott Walton or uh, Scott Lawton or Sean Walker. That, that, that's that's the most important thing. I may be a little biased because I you know I look at the goaltending and most of all, most teams first before anything else. Um, but at the same time. Again, the Cal Peterson and the Samaras fatigue factors is the is the horse. Uh, you know, I will I will die on. It was the hill I'll die on. The horse I'll ride on, or the hill I'll die on. Whatever the hell the analogy is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I that that that's the most important thing if they're really trying to be serious about making the playoffs and really getting this team experience. With Scott Lawton, here's where I'm at with it. Scott Lawton, if you have an opportunity to trade him and get a first round pick out of it, you, you do it. You have to. You have to pull that trigger. Center depth is really something that is not available in this trade market right now from what everything I've seen out there. Um, and that's a big deal because if you can flip them to like a Buffalo, a team is trying to claw into it and like that, and you get like a Casey Middlestead out of it, you're getting a little more scoring punch up front, which you need. And you have a little more, co- you know, uh, cohesiveness with something along the lines of um, – uh, playing with like a if he plays alongside the same line as Tippett or Connecting, he had a little more playmaking ability up front. Scott Lawton's contract is reasonable, three million a year. While his offensive production isn't quite there as it's before, he's stats wise, he's having a down season. With the thing is though, that leadership ability, people will take see that three million and say, you know what, we'll take on for us, what two more years, we'll take that on. We could take that on. That's not a bad contract, especially with the cap going up. I think at this point. The Flyers would be absolutely insane not to re-sign Sean Walker. They would be absolutely insane because with Rasmus Ristolainen out, I, 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 this, this is another thing. Everybody talks about oh Sean Walker, whatever. He's everybody wants him. Sean Walker's been ridiculously good this season. If you look at his stats, he is, uh, I believe, he's what third on the team in in plus minus. So if you look at Sean Walker, 
He is a plus 10 on the season. Sean Marker's got 20 points, too. I mean, right behind uh, Travis Sanheim, he's got the most points out of the defenseman. So Travis Sanheim's got 30 points. Sean Marker's got 20. He's had quietly had a good... I'd say that Joel Fabry's quietly had a good season, too. He's got 42 points on the season. I didn't realize he had that many. But besides so, the points... It- so immediately, Sean Walker, why I think he is playing a good season is the system that he's playing under. But at the same time, because he's on an expiring contract, rumor has it he's looking between four and five uh, range for that contract. Oh, my God. The next value. That's a value deal. What? Okay. That's a value deal. If it is, if line it, is five and a half million right now. Right. Risk line is five and a half, six million. So if you're looking to show Walker at four million, because here's the thing too. Another person is Nick, uh, Nick Sealer. Nick Sealer is on the, on the block. Mm-hmm. So are you using him? Here's the issue with Sean Walker. If I go back to him real quick, this is the issue. You're not, you're, you're, you're not thinking of the full picture. You're looking at, oh, we can get a decent return for him. You know, the Flyers can get a re- decent return for him. Okay. Yeah, they can. Who's replacing those minutes? Who? 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 Bill? Who's replacing those minutes? Yeah. I, are, are, you, are you looking? Are you looking at? Uh, are you looking at at uh, Igor Zamula to do that? I mean, Zamula. I'm a certainly plus not six. looking at Mark Stahl. I'll well, tell you that. Uh, my boy, my boy, Mark Stahl. Listen, Sean Walker is playing almost 20 minutes a game. Now you can bump up Igor Zamula's minutes, but do you trust him as much? That becomes the question. You can look at the analytics. You can look at everything along those lines. You can't take a guy who's plus 20 and replace him with a guy. Yeah, I mean, Zero Zamola is plus 16. (laughs) Look, my my point is this, is that, sorry, it wasn't going for that point. Um, They have, have, if you're looking at a guy, like, for instance, if you're looking at Zero Zamola, he's a plus six, excuse me. He's a plus six. And then you have Sean Walker, who's a plus 10. It's not that much of a big difference. But again, it's the minutes. Because Zamola is getting less minutes, okay? Sean Walker's also played in 56 games, okay? Igor Zamola's played in 45. So there is a bit of a difference there. You're adding a lot more on another young player's plate. Is that the best option for this team right now? Is the best option for you to look into things where Ristolainen's injured, if you get him back, maybe at the draft you can, you can trade him and get something back for him at that point. I'm personally more on the, per, on the lines of I'd rather trade Ristolainen at this point and you have to hope for get healthy though. Well, that's, that's the, the problem. Thing. That's the thing. You know, I don't like the fact that they might have to retain salary on Ristolainen for that for that length. I get it. It is what it is at this point, and there's nothing you can do. See what Ristolainen gives you in the playoffs this year, and see if you can add value for him and do and then make a deal with him in the offseason or the draft. D- yeah. Deal with it at this point. I'm Keep very Sean curious. Walker. Resign Sean Walker. You resign Sean Walker. I think that if you replace Sean Walker, Ristolainen with Sean Walker, then you can do more Igor Zamula. You're bat. You you're, look. You have Nick, Nick Sealer if he stays here as a depth piece. I think that it would be, it would be, it would be pretty good. So I'd be I, shocked. I just don't think that you're going to trade away. You're not. You're the what you're trading away. You're not going to get back. You're not going to replace that. I just Zamula, for impressive as he has been, I don't think that Igor Zamula is at the level that Sean Walker is right now. And I think that no, that would I be a detriment for the team. You know, we haven't even discussed, and I haven't seen this discussed, because I would be shocked if it would happen, but I would not at this point. Uh, I think it's kind of a possibility. Do they just not make a move at all? Do they just wait till the draft? Like, the Flyers are playing so well that they're, quote-unquote, ahead of schedule in their rebuild. Like, unless they're blown away by a pick or an offer, like, what if they just sit tight? Does that does that hurt their rebuild? No, I think that I I don't think so because okay, say you don't trade Scott Lawton, it doesn't hurt you because he's still under contract. You're you're gaining an asset out of it. Sean Walker, it maybe because you know you you're not going to get anything back for him if he walks away as a free agent. Put it this way: here's what I'll here, here's a great comparison. If they don't move Sean Walker or any of the expiring contracts this season, this trade deadline. Is it the exact same failure that we were all shaking our fists at uh, uh, Chuck Fletcher about when he couldn't move JVR the other season? Absolutely uh, not. No, Absolutely I, I agree. I don't think it's as detrimental no, because last year, by this point, they were out of the playoff race. You had to get something mm-hmm. for JVR last season, and Chad Fletcher caught, uh, dropped the ball and it cost him his job. But I think with um, 
with this, it's different because sometimes it's the trade you don't make which gives you the most success. Okay, if you want to flash back, let's take a look back on your business history. Like you want to look at the 2000, what was it, 2002? The Flyers traded Maxim Wallet, a first-round draft pick for Adam Oates, and they scored two goals in five games. That didn't really help them then. But then they were really struggling around the deadline as a season in 2009-2010. They really needed goaltending at that time. They didn't make a move. They had some some opportunities on the table. They didn't pull the trigger on any of them. And they went and they got Vili Leno. And they just yep. had a, 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 a depth move. Nothing crazy for old Christian Tollison. And what happened with that one? That was the biggest deal in their in one of their history because Vili Leno put some opponent points in the playoffs that season. That was ridiculous. But again, sometimes it's not it's the moves you don't make. You know, if you if you tear up the team too much, you know, like I think it was 2010, 2011, where they traded um, for Chris Versteeg, and uh, and 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 that just they it never were off. the same after that. Every, the, the every wheels it fell off. After that. I yeah, remember that locker room didn't it just didn't, it mesh, didn't right? mesh after that. Yeah, it, didn't it mesh. Came a disaster. Know? Right. Um, and, you know, I remember the Flyers in 2000, I think 2001, they traded for Dean McCammon. Like, you know what I mean? Like they they they, didn't, they made smaller moves and you're not yeah. always going to make a splash at the deadline. But here's the thing about the deadline. You get a desperate general manager trying to win yep. that will make the move. And that's when Toronto. you make the move. Yep. I don't think Toronto anymore. If Kyle Dubas was still there, possibly, but not anymore. So um, oh, I hate Toronto. Um, so, <laughs> I just, <laughs> God, I hate Toronto. Um, but the, I think I that, need a the, flyer. I need a Flyers Toronto playoff series. Like I need air for this podcast. I just need it so. My badly. blood pressure would be through the roof. I would be hospitalized. Okay, right, there's got to be Toronto. We got to find the Toronto uh, podcast that's with us at the Hockey Podcast Network, and we got to do a collab if that happens. Oh, oh my goodness, Dude, have to do it. You know what? I'm going to go on a quick Toronto rant because it's just going to piss me off that that team friggin' sucks. You telling me you have the best goal scorer in the NHL? Probably one of the purest goal scorers you'll see in Austin Matthews, and you're friggin' clawing for a playoff spot how how because you have no goaltending because you dumped 40 million dollars on four friggin' players because you're a bunch of friggin' morons who can only get it done in the regular season and then you can barely get it done because you haven't won got past the second round since 1967 since 1967 the rangers have won a cup between that the devils have won three cups the flyers won two cups before you got to the friggin' conference final they suck Talking buds, leave show. Let's get on a podcast together. Come on, let's do it. No, I, I, I love to talk I, trash to Leafs fans. Like, yeah, like, yeah, have fun, have fun celebrating everybody. Have fun with your golf courses up in the Great White North in May, <laughs> because believe me, you already have a month full of experience. Then by the time anybody else gets out there, look forward to that. It is, it is pretty crazy because obviously the Flyers just played Toronto. Austin Matthews had a natural hat trick. And I think eight minutes, 10 minutes, like it was something stupid. Yeah, it was uh, all in the second period. And it was all in the second, second period. period. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, so, like, look, if you go back and look at that game. And he's going to, by the way, uh, sorry. I, and he's going to have, he's on pace for the most goals scored since 1992-1993. Yeah, he's got, how I many he's got on the season right now? He's got. He's on pace for 74, which yeah, is crazy. He's got a lot of goals. Like, and the thing is, like, when you look at, like, the way he plays, like, you know, and here's the thing driving me nuts the other night. This is what I'm saying. This, this is why that locker room sucks. That locker room sucks. It is brutal. It is terrible. He's got 48 goals, 23, 71 points. He's a plus 20. 71 points, and he's a plus 20. That's 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 pretty brutal, actually. Um, so here, here here's, here's, here's the way I look at this. When he scored the first goal the other night to tie the game, they weren't even, like, celebrating. You know, like there was no excitement. Even after the hat trick, there was no excitement. There was no like, yeah, like you got to It was just like, yeah, cool. Then we got it. We got to go. Like it's like business as usual. Like, dude, like, are you kidding me? Like, where's the personality in this team? Where, 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 where is it? It's not there. It's not there. I watch enough hockey to see Toronto, and it just drive me nuts. But like, it's it's absurd. Like, it's just it's so stupid. I'm sorry. It's it's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's it's terrible. I I just can't wait to sit there and, and trash on them because. They're going to lose in the first round or second round again this year. They're going to um, lose. And I can't wait to see it because every year in the playoffs, I root against them like I do the Dallas Cowboys. Because you know what? They are the Dallas Cowboys of Canada. That's what they are. They wear blue, and they suck, 
and everybody loves them, and then oh. they, they they can't get anything done, and it's the most beautiful thing in the world. This was this was my fault. I triggered this. Um, okay, so before we wrap, uh, did you have anything more on the trade deadline? I I have to do something. No, but I'm more Toronto. Of. If you want me to go into that, field. I don't. I I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think we're good there. Uh, I cannot believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Oh uh, God, Scott, did you know that? Did you see the uh, retirement ceremony for or uh, the jersey retirement number for uh, one Yamir Yager uh, uh, out I in Pittsburgh? Saw- bit of it yesterday a bit but um i can't uh, believe i'm about to say this the pittsburgh penguins did it fucking right yeah i need the standard for how we retire legends numbers in sports has been changed because of the pittsburgh penguins and we're a flyers podcast and i'm praising pittsburgh right now i feel dirty i feel disgusting don't 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 feel this was so cool the entire team came out in 68 jerseys they came out in the trademark uh, Yamir Yager oh. mullet, mullet wig uh, from the early 90s. And then to cap it all off, they it had Yamir Yager skate warm ups with them. That, that is, is so cool. Awesome. If That's, we I did not know that establish a new standard of when we retire jersey numbers, imagine the Flyers retiring Eric Lindros number all over again. Mm-hmm. And he comes out and does warm-ups, and he comes out in a raucous Wells Fargo Center. That is how it should be done. No, I, I congratulations, agree. Pittsburgh. I can't believe I'm doing it. No. Oh, I feel so and weird. Congratulations to Jeremy Yager, too. Like, you know, it's funny. I was talking to I was talking to a buddy about the other day. I don't think people realize how good Jeremy Yager was. Like, I mean, he's still technically playing. It might not yeah. be in a NHL caliber league anymore, but it is international professional level if i'm not mistaken he might have retired recently but he was still playing up until a couple of years ago if i'm not mistaken and a, and it's a stupid goal score a pure goal score like again yep. what you're seeing at austin matthews now that's what yarmi yager was years ago just a guy that just scores goals and, and listen listen i you don't don't feel sick because there's the thing you you do have to give respect to pittsburgh yes there is a rivalry between here and and and, and the penguins and the you know all that stuff and you, yes, there was always the rivalry with, you know, Crosby and Crosby sucks. There always be that because of Pennsylvania. Yep. But if you look back in history, the Penguins have had some really special players come through their, their, their thing. And we've had an opportunity to see those special players as fan, as Philadelphia fans, like Mary Lemieux, like just a ridiculous, just a figure skater with a hockey stick who could make any move and do whatever. Literally one of the most graceful hockey players of all time. Yep. And literally, I say the word graceful because he, he played with grace, you know, and he scored a goal, uh, beautiful goals. He was a leader. He went through hell with uh, with uh, with the Hodgkin's, uh, non-Hodgkin's yep. uh, disease and, and coming back and the people came back to thunderous applause him. here in Philadelphia. Correct. And yeah, and I think it was 92 at the spectrum. Yeah, that sounds like, right. There's a there's a respect there. There's an underlying respect for the rivalry there. There is having a special player like Yager who played here in Philadelphia as well. That's a big deal. And you know what, Bill, you, you won't admit it now, but probably about 10 years from now, you will do the same thing for Sidney Crosby. Oh, no. And, and I, I, I have in my in my in, as I've gotten older, I've respected Crosby. Crosby's the ultimate. You hate him when he's not on your team. But if he's on your team, you'll love him forever. Yeah. Like if you could get Crosby for just one season, one or two seasons, just like we had with Yager. You'll love him forever. I mean, we love Yager because of that. We had that one year in 2012 where Yager got to play with us. That was incredible. It was was a great, fun year. 40-year-old Yager, it's like, what are you doing here? Yeah, what are we, it's great. Like, okay, so you had Crosby, but also think of Malkin and also Getty Malkin and think of Crystal Tang. And most and foremost, the one you're really not going to remember, but you'll probably realize down the line is Marc-Andre Fleury. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, I mean- you know, in fact, yeah, Flurry's had a weird career. Yeah, I mean, Flurry's had a a, 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 a roadsman's career ever since he got traded out of out of Pittsburgh. Where's he at now? Minnesota. Yeah, uh, so he got traded to Vegas, and then yep. he was in Vegas for four years, and then he went to Chicago for a half season, and he got traded to uh to Minnesota, where he's still there. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I at the end of it, you always respect the player. Uh, you 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 appreciated the rivalry, and you respect him, and you remember, you look back, you go. Uh, holy crap! I can't believe we got to see that guy. Right, right. Hindsight's Not struggle to see him. 
Yeah. Like and, we're not struggling to see Crosby. We're not struggling to see Malkin. We're struggling to see McDavid because we see him once a year. Right. Uh, right. So, but again, you know, you'll problem. think of the thing out West too, like Calgary, Calgary. appreciate that. I mean, it's a different yep. story. I can always go on my McDavid rant. I'm not going to do it today, but the fact that, you know, we've been treated to Sidney Crosby. We've been treated to Evgeny Malkin, which, you know, we've been treated to Crystal Tang, who really is like a modern day, like, you know, like a Paul Covey points up a lot of points. And and you have and you have Mark Andre Fleury who was here for a long time that they, they, when they when they retire when they all retire, those big four will really go down in history as some of the best players to ever play the game ever. Yep. And the fact that and yes, and people say, oh, Pittsburgh always get yeah, but you know what? Pittsburgh's needed that really. Like no disrespect to you know to to Philadelphia or anything like that. The Flyers had the bullies in the seventies. They had that identity. They they had. They had Lindros in the '90s and early and early 2000s. Um, they they had those that 2010 team. You know what I mean? With that, we're around there where they had the prong run. They made the acquisitions. Now they got to build it back up again. And they, and they and the Flyers will have their next core when Michikov comes up, and they'll but, have those core guys. They'll have that. Yes, Pittsburgh. This is this is what I'll say. They struggled. They've struggled to, and they went through bankruptcy. They some they needed that. They needed the, those guys. You'll you will never hear as much as the Flyers struggle in the last 10, 12 years, whatever the number is, you never heard, hey, they might be moving to Kansas City. Right. With right. with the struggles that Pittsburgh went through, they were talking relocation. You'll right. never hear that for a Flyers or a Philadelphia team in general. They will never leave this city. Correct. Knock on wood. Correct. Uh, all right, that is going to do it. Episode 170 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're following us. All of our socials are in the description below at Orange and Backcheck Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of that good stuff. Send us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Did you go to the stadium series? What did you think of it? Uh, have we overdone it? Or is it over? Uh, will we bring it back uh, continuously until the end of time? Let us know. Uh, and who are your trade targets? What are they going to move? Uh, who are they going to move? What are we going to do here? Thank you so much for listening. As always, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, promo code THPN. And we'll see you next time. Absolutely brutal. Look at these numbers. 11.6 million, 11 million, 10 million. And you're strong on it. I'm sorry, it's 7.5 million. So let's see. It's 22. Uh, let's see. 33. And oh, I'm sorry. 40 million for players. And you're struggling to make the playoffs. You suck, Toronto. You suck. <laughs> <laughs>